You are listening to the Lima Baptist Temple podcast, where you can hear the latest messages and other conversations as we strive to go serve and love in our communities. If you want to know more about us, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org. If you've enjoyed our podcast, be sure to subscribe and check us out on YouTube. Amen. If you would, open your Bibles to Exodus, Exodus chapter 14, or like always, you can just follow here on the screen. Today is the last uh, message in our series entitled Zero Options. We've looked at the story of Daniel. We looked at Daniel 1 the first week, and we talked about how Daniel said that he would not defile himself, and he drew a line in the sand that he himself would never cross over. Then we looked at the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and the fiery furnace. And we said that when you're in a situation where you can either stand for what's right or compromise for what is wrong, face the fire and take the heat. And last week we talked about how God told Abraham he would make him a father of nations. Abraham himself even laughed at God. God told him it would be so great that it would be a blessing to every other nation that would ever exist. So we're going to finish our series today looking at Moses leading the people out of Egypt and the crossing of the Red Sea. So my question to you this morning, have you ever faced a situation where you felt like you were just boxed in and there was no way out? Let's just do this right here. Amen? You're coming to the end of the month, but you've already come to the end of your money. The rent is due, and so is the electric bill. And it appears that there is no other way out. Or perhaps you've applied for four different jobs, and you've been rejected by all of them. And it appears that there's no way in. Maybe you feel like you've kind of hopelessly hooked on drugs or pornography or anger or bitterness, and you think there is no way through it. You're in what we would call a predicament. You know, it's amazing all the ways we can use these situations. We come up with phrases, uh, up the creek without a paddle. We're in a jam. But something that we like to say down south is, you're between a rock in a hard place. In other words, you are in the proverbial catch-22. It appears that if no matter what you do, what path you take, which decision you make, you're just doomed. Anybody ever been there? It is what we describe in a word as a predicament. It can be related to your job, to your marriage, to your kids, or something you are dealing with personally, but you are in a tight place and you see no way out. So you are in a real predicament. Now the best definition of a predicament I have read is this. I wanted to put it on the screen where you can see it. A predicament occurs when an attorney specializes in suing doctors for medical malpractice and then finds himself in need of major surgery. That's a pretty bad predicament, isn't it? I mean, that is a huge predicament. This series has really helped me personally. And as you go through life, 
you will find yourself in situations, sometimes of your own making and sometimes not, where it appears that you are totally out of option. But if you're a member, if you've been here at any of these parts of this series, what we have said every single week in this entire series is very simple. With God, you are never out of options. Can I get an amen on that? Today, we're going to look at the greatest catch-22 perhaps anyone has ever faced in history. It is the most involved predicament the nation of Israel would ever see, and yet they live to tell the story, and they still tell it to this day. It became the most celebrated event in all of Jewish history. Movies have been made concerning this event. Two words tell you all you need to know. The Exodus. We pick up the story in Exodus 14, beginning with verse 1. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front of Pahaharath, between Migdal and the sea, in front of Baal-Zephon. You shall encamp facing it by the sea. The problem was Baal-Zephon was a geographical cul-de-sac or a dead-end street. So here is what the Israelites faced. Now think about this. To the north were huge Egyptian fortresses, massive stone structures that could not be attacked. To the south lay nothing but the Egyptian desert with no protection, no water, and no food. To the west was Pharaoh, Egypt, and his army. And to the east, you got it, lay the Red Sea, today called the Gulf of Suez. It was the catch-22 of all 22s. If you go in any direction, you're going to die. If you stay put, you're going to die. They were all dressed up and had no place to go. Now, normally I would just kind of spoil the ending by telling you what happens, but you already know it. If you are one of the few that don't, God parts the Red Sea and the children of Israel pass through. He then closes the water back on the Egyptian armies, drowns them, and saves the day. And I believe this story happened exactly the way Scripture says. And I've heard all of the various theories that try to water it down. No pun intended there. There is one scholar who decided he would enlighten a friend of his who was not well educated. And he told him that this Red Sea was really only, only six inches deep and it wasn't really a sea at all. Well, expecting a strong counter-argument from his friend, the scholar was surprised when his friend says, Really? That is one of the greatest things I've ever heard in my life. And the instructor said, You mean you like that explanation? The man said, Man, you better believe it. I never realized the Lord drowned all those armies of Egypt in only six inches of water. What a miracle. What a miracle. I believe I have saved the best lesson for last to remember when we have zero options, and that is when we do what is possible, God does what is impossible. Amen? God never expects us to do what only He can do. But He does expect us to do what we can do and then do what only He can do. 
So we need to understand that when we are in a catch-22 or up the creek without a paddle, here is what you need to do. Three things I want to share with you this morning. First, go where God leads you to go. Now keep in mind where the Israelites are in their history. They have been living in Egypt for 430 years. All the Israelites that God was about to deliver through Moses hadn't been raised to know anything but slavery. They had long ago forgotten God. They weren't Israelites yet. They were Egyptian to the core. They ignored God. And now they needed to learn to adore Him. And we need to know and go back to see exactly how they got here. Look at verse 18. It says, but God, verse 18 of chapter 13. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And the people of Israel, what? Went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. Listen to that phrase. God led the people toward the Red Sea. They had not made a mistake. They had not made a miscalculation or taken a wrong turn. Did you know that they had GPS back then? It was known as God's positioning system. God had purposely led them to this dead end. Why did God do that to them? Why does God do what he does to us? There's one school that God enrolls you in that you never graduate from, and it is called the school of faith. Faith is not a talent you are born with. Faith is a lesson you learn, and guess who the professor is? God. God is a professor. You never quit learning to trust Him. Now, the bad news was God had led them to the Red Sea. But here's the good news in verse 21 of chapter 14. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. Listen, God never leads us where he doesn't go before us. If you follow God, he goes with you. If you don't follow God, you go by yourself. You're going to see in just a moment, there are times that God will lead you to a place of despair and a place of desperation. And you will stay there until you make it a place of complete dependence. Every day, from the time that your feet hit the floor, you should sign a declaration of dependence upon God. You've got to depend upon God, not only to lead you wherever it is He wants you to go, but to make a way out once you get there. Now hear this. You cannot cross the Red Sea until you come to the Red Sea. You will never experience the greatness of God, the power of God, the love of God, and the glory of God until you allow God to put you in place where only God can make a way out. That is why the greatest way to know God and the only way to experience God is follow God wherever He may lead you. Secondly, 
Do what God tells you to do. Now, this is the point in the movie, you know, kind of where the music lets you know the climatic uh, scene is about to come, to take place, kind of with that crescendo. The Israelites could hear the hooves of the horses thundering on the ground upon them. They could see the spears and the swords just kind of gleam in the sun. They could feel the heat of the fire coming out of the eyes of Pharaoh himself. I mean, it looks like they are literally in the last moments of their lives with no way out. Now, if you were Moses, how would you respond? Well, we might be tempted to just simply say, well, run. I mean, think about it. I would be tempted to ask, does anybody have a white flag? I mean, many of us would just look up to heaven and say, this is another fine mess you've gotten me into. Well, how does Moses respond? Look at verse 13 of chapter 14. And Moses said to the people, say it with me, fear not. Fear not. Can you just hear what his people said to him? Fear not. Moses, is that all you got? I mean, I can just hear a Jewish Johnny Cash singing in the background. You're going to like this. I hear the train a-coming. It's rolling around the bend. Egypt is about to stick their swords right in our rear end. Now, and the best you've got, Moses, is fear not. It gets better. Moses isn't done. Listen to what he says. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord. It sounds kind of like psycho pop. Fear not. Don't run. Be calm. Stand still. Stand firm and be confident. Just watch and you will see the salvation of the Lord. Now, why does Moses give them that kind of advice when the heat is on and the end is near? It is in those moments, people, you cannot panic. You've got to listen to the voice of God. He will speak to you. I mean, he will talk to you. He will show you what to do. But once you've done all you know how to do, then you must simply wait and see what God will do. I heard about a pastor, sadly it's true in too many churches, who said one of the biggest Red Sea experiences he ever had in his life was the one time that he thought he was going to get fired from a church. He said if I had only pastored the church for about six months, and it was an incredible six months. The church exploded in growth. People were led to Christ, man left and right, and people were being baptized. They were giving, and visitors were flooding the church every week. But the powers that be there were not happy. They didn't like strong preaching, and they didn't like strong leadership. So they came up with a plan to have me fired. The entire staff that I had inherited was on their side. This pastor said that it was in a business meeting I went into, and I was absolutely convinced, walking into that room, that I was at least going to hear a motion that I be dismissed from the church, although I had done nothing wrong. He said that I realized that night, in front of that packed house, that I had done everything that God had told me to do. And it was simply time 
for me to watch what God was going to do and trust Him for the results. He said, I am living proof that God always acts in the right time. Listen, when you are standing before a red sea in your life, that sea will part only in God's time. I'm sure those Israelites were very impatient. I mean, they were wanting God to just kind of hurry up. They were wanting God to act on their time. But God doesn't wear a watch because time means nothing to God, but timing means everything to God. He will never part the Red Seas of your life until you, first of all, go where He tells you to go and you do what He tells you to do. And then in His time, with perfect timing, He will act. Lastly, believe what God says He will do. Let's set up the final scene to the story. God has set the hook Himself. And look at Verse 4 of chapter 14. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them, and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And they did so. You see, God was not going to make it easy for the Israelites to make their escape. Otherwise, they would think they did it on their own. In other words, they would get the glory and would pat themselves on the back. And once again, God would be left out in the cold. But remember, God always has a method to his madness. Verse 9 of chapter 14. The Egyptians pursued them, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, and his horsemen, and his army. And overtook them, encamped at the sea of Pahararath, in front of Baal-Sephon. He has 600 now of his selected chariots being ridden by the best officers in the Egyptian army. They were the army rangers, the Delta Force, the Navy SEALs, the Special Forces, Pharaoh had his best so Israel could experience his worst. He had Israel right where God wanted them. Don't miss that. All God says to Moses is, face the Red Sea and forward march. And I'm like Moses. I've told you that before. I'm a gentleman. So what I do, I say, ladies, first. Isn't that the right thing to do? Most women are braver than most men anyway. No nation had ever done this before. This is the first time that an entire nation had marched out from under the bondage of another nation without firing a shot, wielding a spear, or drawing a sword. Moses had certainly never led an exodus before. The stews didn't, the schools back then did not give a degree in Exodusology, okay? There was no map and no three-ring binder with instruction. There was no book entitled Exodus for Dummies. You couldn't go to the internet and look up how to do an Exodus. 
There was nothing to do now except simply do what God had told him to do and believe what God would do what he said he would do. Well, you probably know the story. You've seen the movie where Moses just raises his rod, stretches his arm out, and the sea parts. And God parts the Red Sea, and this gigantic wall of water is on either side. Approximately 2 million, don't miss this, approximately 2 million Israelites, we'll get that in a moment, make their way under dry land, and, Egyptian, and the Egyptian army follows like lambs going to the slaughter. Then God removes his hand, and the divine dam breaks. The wall of water covers the Egyptian army, and they are drowned. And the Israelites probably broke out into that old song that you've heard before. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was in Egypt, but now I'm found, and old Pharaoh is in the sea. That is not anywhere near the end of the story. Because the greatest thing that really happened was not the Red Sea parting, but the Red Sea closing. Here is why this story is one of the greatest stories in the Bible and why it is still celebrated by Jewish people and why we should celebrate it as followers of Christ. God kept every single promise he made. And God keeps every single promise in his word today. Every single one of them. So the Egyptians were wiped out just as God said they would be. God said he would be glorified and that the Egyptians would know that he is the Lord. Now you go back to verse 25 and listen to what these Egyptians said in their last words just before they died. And the Egyptians said... Let us flee from before Israel. The Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. For the first time, these pagan Egyptians had acknowledged the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Moses. And had even called him by his name. More than that, for the first time, the nation of Israel had come home to Israel. Their God. Look at verses 30 and 31. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. In 430 years of forgetting God, they had come back to Believing God. What did they learn? And what have we learned? When you feel like you have no more options. And you are in a situation that is out of your control. Remember, it is firmly in God's control. When there is no other place to look. You can always look up. Not a single Egyptian lived through that ambush, and not a single Hebrew even got a scratch. You see, Hebrews walked along the seashore 
and saw it littered with dead Egyptian bodies everywhere. Everywhere. Yet they hadn't killed a single man, fought a single battle, or used a single sword. They followed where God led them to go. Did what God told them to do. And believed what God said he would do. Well, that still isn't the end of the story. According to the book of Exodus, 600,000 fighting men left Egypt during the biblical exodus. If we include priests, wives, children, and the elderly, there must have been, from the things I've studied, two to three million. I would just say two and a half in that mass migration. Now, I want you to just listen to some of this. According to the quartermaster general of the U.S. Army, Moses had the task of leading anywhere from two to three million people through a wilderness, which would require 1,500 tons of food every day, enough food that would require two freight trains, one mile long to feed them, 4,000 tons of firewood every day, which would fill a few more freight trains, each a mile long. And this would be needed for 40 years. It would take 11 million gallons of water to drink and bathe every day, which would take a freight train with tank cars 1,800 miles long. Just to get that many people, across the Red Sea in one night, if they marched double file, the line would be 800 miles long and would require 30 days and nights to get through it. To walk through it in one night, as they did, they had to walk 5,000 shoulder to shoulder in a three-mile wide space in that sea. Are you catching on now? Every time they camped, they would need a campground two-thirds the size of Rhode Island. 750 square miles. Do you think Moses had all of this figured out before he left? No. Not at all. What in the world was he doing? He was just going where God led him to go, doing what God told him to do, and believing what God said he would do. Amen? Well, let me close this out. But that still isn't the end of the story. What the Exodus is in the Old Testament, the resurrection is in the New Testament. The Exodus is a picture of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Because every single one of us have faced and face a Red Sea called sin. Behind us was death. But because of Christ, He held a cross over the Red Sea and parted it. There is hope for us today. And as our resurrected Lord, He can lead us through it to a promised land where we will live with him forever and forever. Just remember, when you are at the dead end, between that rock and that hard place, and you think that you have zero option 
There is always an option with God. Remember that song we sang earlier? My sins are forgiven. My future is in heaven because of what he has done. Amen? Would you bow your heads with me as we come to our invitation? Today, if you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you have the option and the opportunity to do that right now. You can ask him to be the Lord of your life this morning. If you've never done that, and you want that free gift of eternal life, you can accept Jesus today. You see, he died for you, so you don't have to be separated from God. He bridged the gap for us between our sin and heaven. But you have to be willing to accept him into your life. If you want to do that today, you can just pray this prayer silently after me. Just pray it. Lord Jesus, today I come asking you to forgive me of my sins. Father, come into my heart, into my life, and save me. Father, be the boss and master of my life. Father, thank you for coming into my heart. If you prayed that prayer today, then you are a child of God. And in just a moment, we stand. I would ask for you to come. If you prayed that prayer, maybe take one of us pastors by the hand and tell us you did that. Brothers in here today who are up against God only knows what, and you feel like you're out of options, and you just need to come to this altar to one of us pastors today and pray and realize today that God, even though I don't see any options, God, I trust you that, Lord, with you, there is always an option. Lord, today I pray that you would be with all of us who are here today and that, God, you would touch everybody at their point of need. I ask all this in your precious name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Lima Baptist Temple podcast. We hope you are encouraged today, and we would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer request, a topic you would like to discuss, or want to share what God is doing in your life, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org forward slash central hub.